0: Welcome to another episode of Flashpoint. I'm your host, Jared, and we're going to get right into things here. We're going to go right into politics here real quick. We haven't done politics yet, but there's uh, some pressing issues here in our nation right now regarding gun control. And I had an issue with something the president said Uh, just the other day meeting with Democrats and Republicans trying to uh, fix this situation. But here's President Trump uh, on gun control. I don't need it. What do I need? It takes so long to go to court to get the due process procedures. Uh, I like taking the guns early, like in this crazy man's case that just took place in Florida. He had a lot of fires. They saw everything to go to court would have taken a long time. So you could do exactly what you're saying, but take the guns first, go through due process second. Take the guns first and then go through due process later. Um, Mr. President, I'm sorry, but that's not going to cut it. That's against the Constitution of the United States. That's against our rights. That's against our uh, free freedoms that we have. Now, no doubt, everybody wants, in, in any common sense state, what happened in Florida should have never happened. And I definitely feel for the victims of that uh, situation, how horrible it must be to receive news as a parent, first of all, that your child who you sent to school to learn, to have fun with their friends, to compete in their football and basketball, or cheerleading, or whatever they may be doing, and to hear that their shooting had, or a shooting has happened at their school and then to later see an get word from the police that your child has uh, lost their life. But to get to this extreme is something that uh I I'd honestly never thought would happen in America. First the killing, but secondly, a president of the United States saying something like that, uh it that like I said, that's just not gonna cut it. That's not our Constitution. That that's not the Bill of Rights. You know, that that, that goes against everything we should believe and do believe as Americans since the founding of this nation. Now, let me get to a few things real quick, and let's go over this real quick. Now, uh, like I said, I definitely feel sorrow for the victims in Parkland. Uh, You know, as a police chaplain, former police chaplain now, uh, you know, I can still remember the first time I ever uh, had to go to the scene of a suicide. That was my very first call that I ever got. A young man, a young man. Uh, 21, 22, I believe he was, uh, had taken a, uh, a a a gun to his head. And of course, I'm sitting here debating in my head right now. Uh, you know, I I don't want to go into detail on any of that. But to to then to have to see that, and then to have to go to his parents' house, and for me for me to be the one, which is a police chaplain, that's what you do. You do a lot of death notifications at your job, and um. You know, to to tell his mom and his his dad that he had taken his life and that he was no longer on this earth, to see them go through that anguish, I think about it now and I honestly almost start crying because I can still see the pain on their faces. I can still remember praying with them and, and trying to console them the best way you can. Of course, in that situation, there is no consoling anybody and it's totally understandable. So I feel like these... You know these parents have went through, you know, of course, you know in my life, my personal life, you know last year, me and my wife lost a child and and that pain is so great, and it's so hard and you you never get over it, you really don't uh the The only hope I hold on to, and I guess with this family that I had to go see that was the the biggest thing that hurt me about them is they had no pastor, they had no minister they had they didn't even go to church. I don't know if they have ever had been to church, and and that broke my heart even still. And of course, I offered my services anytime, telling them, you know, any here, here's my number. Anytime you need me, call me; I'll be there. And uh, you know, me trying to be the minister in their in their life and try to get them to a church that could could help them. And of course, I never received a call. I, I hope they're doing well, and I pray for them daily. But you know having lost a child myself and having to be told by the doctor, you know, you know we've lost your child. It's a, it's a hard experience. And so I definitely feel what the family had to go through. But why do we need guns? Well, here's a quick story real quick. Back in 2008, I went back to I went to over to Israel. And on one of the days in the tour, we went to the Holocaust Museum. An an absolutely amazing museum. But such a horrific museum at the same time, not because the Jews had de- have have done anything wrong, the Israelis, just because of what had happened. And you know, at, at that time in my life, two thousand eight, you know, being ten years ago, I was just a young man, young minister. Uh, I honestly, you know, I, I can't say that I could I could quote you any of the Constitution. I I, I could maybe say one or two of the uh, of our rights. You know, freedom of worship. Yeah, I could definitely name that one to you, uh, because I've been in church all my life. But, you know, anything else, I I, I couldn't really name off to you. But as I went through this museum, it told the story on how everything happened. And and that's how you went through the museum. It, It went step by step, how things, you know, how Hitler first came to power and how everything happened. And the one thing that got me is I came to one part in the museum, and it talked about the gun registration that the Germans, Hitler's, government imposed on the citizens. First it was a registration. It's uh we just need to know, uh, you know, who has a gun and and and, and you know uh and, and of course actually I guess let me back up on that. That wasn't actually Hitler's government. It was under the former government. Uh before Hitler that said, Well we just need a gun registration. You know, we just need to know who has guns, how many you have and the citizens of that time didn't see any threat. And so therefore you know, the Jews weren't being persecuted and gashed in chambers and so they therefore yeah sure you know we'll, we'll let you know who has a gun we'll 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 give in to that registry and of course it was Hitler's government that came in later and they enforced that registry as in okay we know John Smith down the road has four guns let's go to him and if he don't give them to us let's just shoot him in the head and so that's the fear and that's what gun rights are for is for tyranny It is to defend oneself against the government. That is the very first thing it is for. Or, or Jared, we we live in America. That would never happen. Shame on you. (laughs) It it, it can happen. And it has happened to certain citizens here in the United States, not to the point of them getting shot or anything like that, but to the point. Research World War II and what we did to the Japanese. There were Japanese internment camps in America. We rounded up the Japanese, and you had to turn yourself in and now, of course, we wasn't like anything like the Nazis. Uh, we didn't kill them, and we did take care of them when they went to a, a camp. It was, uh, as far as I know, of course, I didn't live in that time. I'm just going off of what history speaks of. Uh, they were they were actually very well taken care of. But can you imagine being a Japanese citizen in World War II? You know, you're an American. You you, you have done everything you've been asked to do, and then you have the government come to you and say. Well, because of the war and because of who you are, well, we're going to have to put you in a camp with with military forces around you and in barbed bar wire fence. Uh, that that doesn't. I'm pretty sure they were terrified at that time, and and that should have never happened. This is America. We don't round people up. We don't put them in a concentration camp. We don't do that to a group of people just for being who they are. That is not us, and that will I pray never be us. That's the threat you have to worry about. That's the threat. That's the whole point of reason why our founders had this Second Amendment. It is number two of the most important out of the ten. It is number two, guys. Of course there's several now. But uh but let's move on here real quick. Now, you know, you go back to World War Two and another thing in that museum that really caught my eye was, you know, first Hitler taking the guns. And then after that his ruthlessness truly came out because he knew, I have all the power. Nobody can match me. Nobody can try to come against me. I have all the power now. There's no one who can threaten me in any way. And so, therefore, I will force my will upon everyone and anyone who comes in my way. And they must bow. They must do what I say. Otherwise, their life will be gone. And so, if you go to Warsaw at that time when Hitler invaded Poland. Uh, Warsaw at that time, of course they rounded up the Jews, they put them in the ghetto, they they, they walled that literally walled the the ghetto up. Now, it, the towards the end of that ghetto, when they were clearing out that ghetto to to send the Jews on trains to to gas them in chambers, there was a situation that happened with the the underground over there with some of the Polish men and women and some of the uh, Jews on the other side of the ghetto wall. And they formed a, uh, a, a little resistance, you could say. And they would take guns, and at night they would be smuggled in. There was a few Jewish workers that would, uh, work on the outsides of the walls. They got privilege from the, uh, the Nazis to, to go do some labor work. And, of course, it wasn't, like, a, a, a great job or anything. Of course, you know, they were very much persecuted in that job. But they would, uh, they would take guns, they would smuggle, there would be Polish citizens that would smuggle guns to the workers on the outside. And at night, as they were walking back, they would take the guns and they would throw them over the wall to the few Jewish survivors that had been hiding in the ghetto after they cleared it out. And of course, long story short, having weapons, the Jews in that ghetto were able to hold out for quite a while against the Nazis and fight them. And so it raised the question when I saw this story. And of course, you can Google this, Wikipedia. Uh, just put in "ghetto Jews, uh, guns, World War II," and it'll 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 pop up for you. But you know, seeing this story really taught me. You know what we have in America in the Second Amendment is very valuable. It is needed, and it has to be there, just in case. Now, I I'll admit I am a follower of Jesus Christ in his words, and I am one of those who uh, I believe in the Second Amendment for tyranny, but I also believe in it for self-defense, and if I had to be made an example, I would be like a Peter, I would be like a Paul who would be martyred. That would be fine. As long as it's for Jesus Christ, then I'll be martyred. That's okay. I don't have to put up a fight. I don't have to do anything else. I'll be martyred but for the rest of the uh, of the citizens of the united states of america they have the right to defend themselves they have the right to own a weapon to protect first their home but also from the government to have that the, and and it's not like a situation where you have some and i'm not preaching to be some crazy person to go out with your AR-15 or your Glock or whatever, your shotgun, and, and walk around the streets, you know, and flaunt it from the police, and like some we see some people do in this nation, and, and just walk around, you know, the city with your AR-15, that, I think that's absolutely retarded, and I think you're a moron if you do it. Uh, that's not what it's for. It, and to just kind of, you know, boast to the government, no, it, it's kind of a hidden truth. It's something that you conceal. It's something that you hide and keep tucked away. Of course, as a police chaplain, one of the first things they taught us is if you ever carry, uh, of course, police chaplains here, where I live, they don't carry, but they can conceal carry, of course, off-duty. But the one thing they did teach us is you don't ever want to, conceal carry is the greatest thing because you don't ever want to be in the situation where you're showing your gun. I saw a guy... Uh, a few months ago during Christmas shopping in target, and he was just showing his gun off on his side and I was thinking to myself sir if i 'm a if i 'm a crazy lunatic that wants to come in here and shoot this place up i 'm shooting you first because you 're a threat to me that 's the reason why we have concealed carry that way you hide it that way that crazy person has no idea that that you 're a threat. They look at you as prey but then you can expose yourself as a threat and and end their threat. But, of course, I'm, I'm getting off on this way too long here, but it's very important, guys, that we have our Second Amendment rights. And down in Parkland, there's only one group whose fault all this is. And, of course, there are plenty of fingers to blame, but it's not the NRA. It's not private citizens of the NRA who have done nothing, if anything, it is the Sheriff Israel and his Parkland Police Department. I have never seen, being a former chaplain of the police, whom I love, whom I stand, who I have family who are police officers, and I will stand with them and defend them until you show me they are absolutely wrong. And I will stand against anybody who is wrong. And in this situation, Sheriff Israel was absolutely wrong. He was at him and his officers. we don't know the exact full details, but what we do know right now is that several of his deputies stood outside the school, not going in. The excuse from Sheriff Israel was, well, we wanted them to have body cameras and the the, the, uh, the policy is if you don't have a body camera, you can't we don't really want you to engage. That is absolutely hogwash. And as any man or any woman who had a bit of courage in them and had a weapon on their side would run into that building and save those kids. I think that is absolutely crazy of the things we are hearing about. But, of course, back to the national conversation. Was that what the president was talking about? No, him and the Democrats and the Republicans. They all had to talk about, well, what can we do in the future? And we can talk about that. I'm not against... Uh, some of that stuff, some of that stuff I can totally understand. But the common sense, here's a, here's a police department who got 39 calls about this kid. 39 calls about how he was threatening people, how he was... The FBI had been tipped off two times. And not... They even, this past week, I even saw an interview with a couple of the neighbors. And the, the woman was given the interview, the neighbor, his neighbor. And she was just like, you know, there was several times that we called. And she said... I remember on one particular night, we even begged the officer, is there not anything you can do to at least take his guns away? And the officer said, well, we don't, you know, we're not going to jump to that yet. And, and, and just kind of played it off. 39 times, people. 39 times. There is not much more anyone can do. There's not another law that could have stopped that if the police can't do it after 39 times. So America in the Bible, Uh, we of course went over this uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, and of course we did find America in the Bible, it was found in Daniel 7 and 4, uh, when we saw, in reading that verse, we saw a lion, and who we found out was Great Britain, and the lion had wings, and those eagle wings were separated, they were plucked from that lion, and that lion was the, w- those wings separated and was given a heart as a man and and was and stood up on its feet and of course we saw that the two two symbols of America as we know as Americans is uh, one the American eagle and two uh, Uncle Sam and so this showing that America is in the Bible now let's go over a, a few things here real quick and then I'm we'll, we'll wrap it up here real uh real quick but. Remember, end time. You know what? What did that mean? How do we define that as Christians, as uh, people of the name? Well, you know, it's not talking about the end of all ends. You know, it's not talking about like the movie. Like I told you all a couple weeks ago. You know, the uh, you know, growing up in my era when I was a young teen, they had all the movies that were you know, uh, I forget what they were called, but you know, the the ones where you had the earth was ending, and that was going to be it. And, you know, like Armageddon, there's one. Uh, Bruce Willis, and, and Aerosmith had the great song, and and blah, 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 blah. Well, uh, that's not what it means. That's not what we're talking about when anybody who knows in time, or in study, or when the Bible speaks of it, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the end of human government and the beginning of the kingdom of God. You know, your will be done, your kingdom come. That's what it's talking about, is God's kingdom on this earth. And so that's what we're referring to, is it, it, there's going to be another thousand years of human existence. There, there's going to be life, there's going to be death. Life will continue like it is now, but it will have Jesus Christ here on earth ruling with his saints. And it, it will be peace, true peace peace. The Bible talks about how they will take their weapons of war, course. I'm paraphrasing here, and they will beat them in the plowshares. In other words, they will they will not, there won't be no need for a military, a police, uh, you know, the things we just saw and just talked about in the last segment with Parkland, there won't be any of that. You won't have to worry about it. There will be absolutely true peace. That's the reason why I say if there's anybody that cries peace in this world and it's not Jesus Christ, then you better run, because only Jesus Christ can bring true peace. Now, we also went over to and talked about Daniel a little bit and how Daniel, you know, he really wanted to understand this end-time prophecy. And, and of course, in 12 and 9, you know, he asked God, uh, you know, of course, paraphrasing here, you know, God, help me to understand this. And he says, you know, go thy way, Daniel. This is for the people of the end. And, of course, what does this, what's the point of all this? Well, we know, we can know that we're living in the end time if we can figure out who these nations are. And are they uh around in our time period? Because in the Daniel chapter seven, it talks about these nations, and it's talking about how you know, giving you a summary of the chapter on how these nations will be here when Jesus Christ comes back to earth. So we so going back, if we can say who these nations are, if we if we can tell who they are and define who they are and see what time period they're living in, which we're finding out they're living in our time period, then we know Jesus Christ will come back during the the length of those nations, during their time of rule. And so, of course, going on, we also found out in Daniel 7.23, you know, Daniel, uh, you know, later on, it's like he, uh, when he gets to 7.23, he's just like, oh, wait, I forgot to tell you this. Well, you know, he talks about these beasts, and he says, well, you know, these beasts, don't forget, you know, these beasts I'm talking about, these animals, they're kings, or, or kingdoms, or, or, or there are sometimes king and the ruler or, or the the nation that that king comes from so and so like i said you know when will these nation nations exist they'll exist you know at the time that jesus christ comes back so moving on here real quick uh of course when you go to daniel seven eleven, of course we reviewed that uh you know this is talking about the 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 beast or the Antichrist and the false prophet. You know the Antichrist. He's referred to as the the son of perdition, the beast, the dragon. I mean, he, he's referred to to a lot of different things in prophecy, but uh, you know, in Revelation seven eleven, it's just talking about how the horn spake. He, that's another name he's known by, the Antichrist. And of course, we see in this, uh, or we saw in Daniel seven eleven, how the nations will have their. You know, they'll they'll go to battle Jesus Christ at the Battle of Armageddon. And, and Jesus Christ, of course, he's going to absolutely... He'll, he will destroy the false prophet and the Antichrist. He would take them. He'll throw them uh, in, in the... I about said the fiery furnace, but I think that was what happened with the three Hebrew boys, wasn't it? But he will throw them in the in the pit, and he will lock them up. They will be no more. And, and of course, him and his saints, Jesus Christ, they'll come back to rule. But these other nations that we're speaking of they're going to have their dominions taken away. You know what's a dominion? Well, it's their power. And and God's going to spare their lives and he's going to say, "You know what? You were you were misled. You were you had had a false guide in front of you. And so therefore, I'm going to preserve your life. Go back to your nation and and wait for my instructions. Go back, and I will preserve your life and you your nation will continue to go and or continue to live, I guess we should say." But, you know, Jesus will reign as king of kings during the millennium. It's the thousand-year reign. You know, Jesus Christ returns to the to the earth during the lifetimes of these nations. That's what the whole point of all this lesson is. Uh, but remember, we went to the lion. We found it was Great Britain. We went to the bear. We found out it was Russia. Well, today, and of course, we went to the eagle, saw that it was America. Uh, now, another place I want to take you is Revelation 12. 13 and 14, let, it, let me read it here for you real quick. So Revelation uh, chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, go to it real quick. It says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, here we see the symbolism again, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time, times, half and half a time from the face of the serpent. Now, let me conclude the America lesson with this explanation of these two verses right here. Of course, going back to 13 again, and when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, now who is the dragon talking about? It is talking about Satan. There is going to be another war in heaven. Now, you may think to yourself, what are you talking about, Jared? What, another, a war in heaven? What, well, Think about it. Now, Can ask yourself these questions. Can Satan go before the throne of God? Can he do that? Yes, he can do that. Think of the book of Job. The book of Job, what's it all about? Satan going before the throne of God, saying, you know, who, who, who do you got on your list that I can go terrorize? I can, uh, and, and, of course, God says, well, hey, how about my servant Job? You know, uh, you know, you can do everything to him except for take his life. And, of course, I'm not saying that in any sarcastic way that God was punishing Job. No, he was just showing You know, that, hey, I've got a faithful servant, my servant Job. And, of course, we know how the story ends. But the point of that story being, or not the point of that story, but the point here that I'm trying to make to you is, you know, that the devil can approach the throne of God. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. He can go up to God right now, up to his throne, and he can say, you know, that guy Jared, what a jerk. You know, you should, God, you should take your hedge of protection off him. Let me me persecute him. Let's see how much he loves you then. Of course, there's been times where I felt I felt like Job, and of course, we all have in our lives. Did you stay faithful? That's the key. Did you stay faithful? Were you like Job? But moving on here real quick, so there's going to be another war in heaven. The, the 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 dragon, the devil, and his demons are once again going to try to overthrow God. He knows he can't do it. He knows he's going to lose, but he has, to me, if, if I'm the devil, I guess you're thinking to yourself, well, what do I have to lose? I'm going to try it anyway. And so, thinking he has nothing to lose, he's going to try to overthrow God again. And of course, uh, you know, the archangels and the angels and God, they're going to cast him down to the earth. That's the reason why. The, the one thing I don't, I guess, not that I don't like it, I guess I don't like it, but it is sometimes a lot of, I hear a lot of ministers out here and they'll preach, well, you know, the, the great tribulation, that's the wrath of God. That's not the wrath of God. The Bible clearly states that it is the wrath of Satan. Having come down, knowing that he has, it, it, knowing what his end is. And that's when, you know, you have those three and a half years. Of course, it, and we're we'll going to get to that here in a second. Let's go on. But he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. Who is the woman that brought forth the man child? The woman is Israel here. It is talking about the man child, Jesus Christ, that it brought forth. I'm going to persecute. The devil says, you know what? Well, you're going to kick me out of heaven. I don't have no one other anywhere else to go and and I'm going to die anyway so you know what I'm going to persecute your firstborn I'm going to Jesus I'm going to that promise you made to Abraham so many years ago so many thousands of years ago I'm going to absolutely try to ruin them and th- drive them into the depths of the sea I'm going to hurt your nation and so but and of course it goes on to verse 14 and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nursed for a time. Now, the two wings of a great eagle, we saw that in Daniel 7 and 4. Those wings break away, those eagle's wings break away from the lion, which was Great Britain, and it birthed a nation. Now, who has always been a friend of the Israelis? Who has always stuck by them and even sticks by them today? Even, you know, the president, which is is the one thing I do congratulate him on and thank him for. And that is, thank you for... Set an art embassy, which they announced will be done here in the next few months. Uh, it will be moved to Jerusalem. It is us as Americans. And of course, Nikki Haley has been brilliant up there in the UN. Just absolutely brilliant. You know, just giving it to those other nations. You know, you... Telling them, you know, all you all do is just persecute the Jews, the Israelis. You're always going after them, but we we are America. We are their friend, and we will stand and defend them, unlike the last administration and somewhat of the last administration before that. Now, uh, and, and I'm and I'm grateful for that. But that's what this is saying here. And the woman were given two wings. In other words, America will step in when the world community, because Satan will the dragon. Satan, he's going to try to use the world community to come against Israel, to to persecute them, to hurt them. But America, that strong nation, I believe, and if and if we got this verse right, well, then America is going to do like it's always done, and it's going to stand against the world, and it's going to tell the Antichrist, "No, you can't invade her. You have to step back." And of course, that will that'll suffice for a little while. But there's the Battle of Armageddon. You know, when we, when you get to at the end, uh, you know, it, of course it. The Antichrist at that point, he's just like, I have all this power. I don't care what America says. I can't do anything. I'm going after Israel. And, of course, that's when Jesus comes back. Battle of Armageddon. But moving on here real quick. So, and it says that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place. What is is her place. Her place is Israel. Her place is her home. You think about the Jews and how they've been, gosh, you go back to the Old Testament, how they had to move around all the time. You know, they were lost in the wilderness, you know, after Egypt and, and, and you know, they had to fight for their homeland and then they uh, were, were cast out of their homeland and carried off to different lands and then even in World War Two, you saw how, and even now in our days they're still scattered so many places. Of course, they're all coming back and that's Bible prophecy too. We'll get into that one day. But They're all coming back. She's going to be able to stay in her place, which is the nation of Israel. So you have America standing up for the nation of Israel against the world body, telling them, no, she can stay in her home. She's fine where she's at, and and, and we're going to take care of her. You know, where's the world? If you want to deny her, if you want to push Israel out, whatever, we're standing with her because that's what God wants us to do. But it says she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. Anytime you see this, and now it's done different ways, but when you see it that it says time, times, and half a time, what is that? Well, that is referring to years. A time is one year, times is two years, and a half a time, of course, is half of the one. So we're talking about three and a half years. This is the tribulation period. During the last, there's, there's a, there is a seven-year period, but only three and a half at the end there, that second three and a half years, it will be the tribulation. That's when, right before that, the, the war in heaven will happen. Satan will be cast down. And then those last three and a half years, the Antichrist will try to reveal himself as God and try to tell the world that he is God. And then at the end of that three and a half years, he will come against fully the Jews to push them into the sea and to absolutely eradicate every single one of them. And, of course, to give you a quick summary of that and ending here, you'll have the Antichrist will come down and will start up at the top of the Golan Heights, and it'll work its way down, all the way down to Jerusalem. And it'll come down to a point where I believe that the Israeli army has pushed so hard. There's, there's thousands upon thousands of dead on both sides, and the world army has about got Israel. But I believe at that moment that they think that the Israeli soldiers look, at, look around them they see they don't have any more ammunition. They don't see they, they don't have anything else. And they look up to God and, and they look up to the sky and say, Jesus, or they say, of course, they don't know him as Jesus, but they'll, they'll look up and they'll say, God, our mothers and our fathers, our forefathers have taught for years that Messiah, you're going to come and you're going to save us. We need you now. We're about at the point of extinction. We are about to become absolutely extinct from this earth. And I believe, and of course, we know from Bible prophecy and the word of God, at that time Jesus Christ will come back. He will set his foot upon the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says, Him and his saints will go forth fighting for the Israelis. And they will go and they will absolutely destroy. And then when that's when you get to God's wrath. When he comes back, he's going to pour out his wrath, just like he did with the plagues in Egypt. Uh, one example is he's going to have hailstones that weigh more than a hundred pounds. Uh, if, if we're translating things right in the Bible, that will weigh. You can imagine a hailstone. You know, we think around here, uh, here in Tennessee, I've, we've seen golf size hell before, which is and it damages everything. You know, dents everywhere, broken glass, broken car windshields. You know, your your car is absolutely ruined and and just pelted. Like crazy with these hailstones. Imagine one that's 100 pounds. That will crush airplanes. That will crush tanks. That will crush just total infantries of soldiers. And so, therefore, that will be God's wrath. And he will set his foot, like I said, on the Mount of Olives. One of the greatest prophecies is in Zechariah. In Zechariah, when Jesus does set his foot on the Mount of Olives, the Bible says that the Jews will run out to him. And they will say, oh, Messiah, you are here. And he will, and they will look at Messiah, and they'll say, "Messiah, where did you get these scars?" They look at his hands. The Bible talks about how they're going to look at his hands, and those holes are still going to be there. There's going to be scars there from those holes, and and they're going to look at those, and, and he's going to look at them, and he's going to say, "In the house of my friends is where I received these." In other words, he is going to be revealing to them, "I am Jesus Christ that was crucified." Those. One, uh, this people that have been speaking my name, and and that revival you've been seeing, and your in your nation breaking out, people people being baptized in the name of Jesus and receiving the Holy Ghost. Well, that is me. Those those scriptures are true, and and they're and of course they're going to fall down on their faces, and they're going to beg for forgiveness. Oh God, forgive us. What have we done? We are so sorry, Messiah. We crucified you, and we should have recognized you as our King. And of course, what does Jesus do when we ask for forgiveness? Well, he forgives us because that's our God. Well, that's all I have the time I have for you. I've, I've probably extended your time more than you thought I, I would. I apologize for that, but I thought we needed to get through this real quick. Be encouraged. I know things right now are, are are shaky, and I'll admit this week I have thought to myself, "Oh God, have we got these scriptures right? You know, are we interpreting things as we should?" Because things in our nation do not look great, but they're not that bad either. Things are looking up. We're gonna keep trusting in God. We're gonna keep. Standing up, it's okay to support President Trump. It's okay to to back him. It's okay to back any of your leaders. But when they are wrong, especially when it comes to life, don't be afraid to stand and let them know. Uh, you know, if you liked Barack Obama, if you like George Bush, it, it's okay to vote for those guys. But when it comes to bad policy, that will hurt when it comes to bad policy that 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 will take life then you must stand against that person and you must proclaim Jesus Christ first though I'll tell you this last thing about my politics it, it comes from my politics come from one of our founders his name was Benjamin Rush one of the signers of the declaration of independence of course and he was asked one time historians record he was asked what a man asked him one day what party do you belong to Dr. Rush and he do you, of course, the two parties of that day were the Democrat and the Aristocrat Party? And he looked back at the gentleman and he said, I am neither aristocrat nor democrat, but I am Jesus-crat. And what he was saying in that was, my life belongs to God and my policies and my principles rule and are governed by Jesus Christ. Whoever supports Jesus Christ and his principles will flourish, will prosper, and I will vote for him. So that's my position. If you want to know my politics, if you ever want to know where I stand, I always stand as a Jesus-crat or a Jesus- Publican, I guess you could say, uh, if you want to go that side of the aisle. But I love you. I thank you for joining me. And I, and next episode, I believe we're going to we'll dive into a little more politics again. But we are also going to start World War III. There's a lot of interesting things happening right now. Uh, one of those things, I'll give you a sneak preview. Along the Euphrates River, where the Bible says World War III will come from, where one-third of mankind will die from this war. One-third. The last I uh, saw was there's over 7 billion people in the world. Think of one third of 7 billion. That's over 2.5 billion people. Uh, 7 billion people in this world, one third will die in this war. And we'll talk more about that. That's called World War III. But God bless. God keep you. God save you.